one of the biggest symptoms of menopause and something that I hear from you, my students, and my patients all the time is what the heck is going on with my body? I look in the mirror and I don't recognize myself. I have been working so hard at getting up to exercise. I have not changed my diet and I'm still gaining that weight, that meno belly. Well, for those of you who have that question in mind, I have the perfect episode for you today. My good friend, Elizabeth Ward, a registered dietitian here in Boston with 30 years of experience working in consulting with women, joins me today to talk about weight and midlife. She's also the co-author of The Menopause Diet Plan, an incredible resource and wonderful book that I will link in the description of this episode. And I cannot wait for us to dive in and she shares her tips and tricks for how to maintain your body weight and how to find the realistic menopause, midlife, belly weight, body that is right for you. All right, let's do it. Hi, and welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by Evia. Evia is the first ever app that utilizes the science-backed technique of using hypnotherapy to effectively manage your hot flashes and night sweats naturally. Hypnotherapy is supported by NAMS, the North American Menopause Society, is a proven mechanism to calm the body's stress response to bothersome hot flashes. Now with the Evia app, that's simply E-V-I-A in the app store, you will learn to soothe both day and night symptoms without the use of medications. You'll be able to track and evaluate your symptoms and so much more. They have a core five-week program that is Dr. Hirsch approved for at-home support. Start your seven-day free trial at eviamenopause.com slash Heather, which is E-V-I-A-M-E-N-O-P-A-U-S-E dot com slash Heather, or check the link in the description to get started. Well, I'm so excited, Liz, to have you on this show today. And for those of you who don't know, Liz and I first uh, actually got to know each other through social media on Instagram. And lo and behold, we were just saying how many accounts there are that start with menopause, which is great because it means that we're really going somewhere. And I saw Liz and her partner doing lots of reels and, you know, sitting in someone's kitchen, talking a lot about diet and menopause. And then on further inspection, I saw she had a great book called the menopause diet plan, which we're going to talk a little bit about. So that's how we first got to know each other, Liz. And I'm excited to have you on the show. Um, I pretty much bribe everyone to come on my show and, you know, share their story and why they're so interested in menopause. So, you know, I wanted to just hand it over to you to say, you know, what really inspired you to kind of take all your years of, uh, nutrition counseling and education and work with women to kind of now steer into menopause territory. 
Well, you did mention my partner and that's, she's also my best friend. Um, and we met in college and her name is Hillary Wright. And we've gone through life together, basically. Wow, that's, that yeah. is so cool. Mm -hmm. And you know, we, we are both married. We both live in the towns that we grew up in. Um, we both have three children and they're around the same age. She has all boys, I have all girls but we have a lot of um, history with each other. And we kept kicking around the idea of working with each other one day, what should we do? We, you know, and then we were just always so busy with work and kids. And then this just finally came up and I said, look, we really need to write a book about menopause. You know, we just went through it and we're in the postmenopausal phase. And, you know, they say, write what you know, and we certainly know it, yeah. but we also know a lot about women's health in general. So I'm a, also a pregnancy um, nutrition author. I've written a couple of pregnancy books and Hillary is a fertility um, expert as well as a wow. PCOS expert. That's so the two of you together are like magic for menopause. <laughs> yeah. So, so what we do is just, we just combined it all and we wrote the book um, and it was it's just everything we really think that women need to know to go forward in terms of diet and nutrition from, you know, perimenopause on. That is so fun. Um, to work with your best friend has to be uh, well, gosh, I'm sure there's a lot of emotions. Um, but, but so cool. Tell me a little bit about, um, you, you mentioned you, you know, are in the process or in the menopause transition. How was that like for you? Because one of the biggest things uh, that women say to me that bothers them is their stubborn weight gain. And so how did that go for you? Um, it, it happened. That's how it went for me. And Hillary always, always says, you know, you can tell people that I gain weight too. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to tell people <laughs> that you gain weight. That's your story. But my story was that, um, you know, I did put on about 10 pounds and I, I was kind of shocked by it because, you know, when you're a health professional, you have all the answers, right? I mean, you know, if I do A, I'll get, you know, B. Well, that's the way you think. And, you know, when it comes to menopause and perimenopause, it doesn't always work that way. It's not as linear as, as it seems. So um, I thought, why is this happening to me? I, I haven't changed my exercise and my eating routine. So then what I had to do is take a look at my exercise and eating routine and say, hmm. <laughs> you know, so many of my patients say that. Yeah. And I, I, trust me, I, I always err on the side of believing my patients, but um, you always kind of wonder because it's so subjective. Like I haven't changed anything, but unless you kind of eat the same thing every single day at the same exact time, how do you know if that's true? That's that's sure, for, for sure. And um, I certainly don't do that, but I'm pretty close to that. But I was, I mean, always exercising, I'll, you know, five, six days a week. I used to be an athlete in high school and I just like to work out. But I found that there were so many extras that I was grabbing through the day, like, oh, a handful of M&Ms, or maybe I'll have an extra few bites of this or that, eating when I wasn't hungry. I think uh -huh. that's what I, I'm going to basically say. Yeah. So, so really um, kind of dialing that back um, helped um, changing my routine, exercise routine a little bit to do more weight training, which people think is funny. Well, how does that burn calories? How do you, you know, control your weight? But we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've lost about five or six of it of the 10 pounds. Yay. But 
I don't really think that the rest is ever going to come off because as Hillary and I like to say, we made a reel about it. There is no way that we are starving ourselves. So I think that part of what you have to do is find your happy place, but you have to be willing to accept that your body has changed. Your metabolism has slowed down. The fat that you do gain migrates to your belly, as you know, and mm-hmm. that, you know, there is just unless you really want to go low calorie and really risk your health, I don't think that, um, you know, I I think that you have to have some level of acceptance. Yeah. Let me warm up with you for a second, because I want to ask you this question. What is the data really show ongoing ultra low calorie in menopause. I I saw a really great lecture about ultra low calorie for women trying to get pregnant and to to probably um, starve away some of the metabolic dysregulation from probably PCOS. But what does it mean to go under, you know, 1200 or a thousand calories if you're a 52 year old? Um, I think it's dangerous, quite frankly. You know, what, when we did diet plans in the, in the book, only because some women like diet plants. We did not go below 1600 calories. And even then I was struggling. I did the diet plans and I was struggling to get all the nutrients in on 1600 calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there, are, there are nutrients that you can't just take pills for, you know, okay. you can't take pills for phytonutrients found in fruits and vegetables that you're not eating, you know, mm-hmm. under when you're on an 800 calorie diet or even a thousand calories a day, right. you know, fiber, you can't get the fiber. You can't get the, everything that's in the matrix of the whole food. Mm-hmm. Um, so important to your bones, your brain, your heart. The other thing is what it does to your head. And, you know, let's talk about it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I get it. I've struggled with my weight my whole life, but then menopause really, um, you know, did a number on my weight. Um, yeah but I wasn't going to let it do a number on my head. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be the yo-yo dieter. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you can sustain 1200 calories and be healthy. You just can't 1200 calories a day is the amount of calories a toddler needs. Oh my gosh. Not a 52 year old. Nope. No way. You've got to nourish your body. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask, pause on that question um, because I hear it all the time. You know, patients will say, I've not changed a thing. I've not changed my exercise. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm just going to starve myself. That's all that I think that I can do, but there's probably dangers in that. And, um, and one other thing I wanted to kind of loop back to is that maybe our, maybe our eating habits, although we don't think they've changed, maybe has, because it's like the licks and the, you know, grabs that probably add up, right? The they licks. Do up. They do add up. That second drink, um, topping off that glass of wine when you know you were trying to limit yourself to one drink. I mean, all the places, mm-hmm. it, and I always say, you have a very razor thin calorie margin. When you were in your 20s, you had a lot of room to play with. Like, I just go out and say, oh, I'm just gonna go out for a run and just run off whatever I just ate. It does not work that way when you're uh-huh. um, after, after menopause, it doesn't seem to. Um, so you're working with a much uh, thinner calorie uh, margin and you really do have to call, kind of call into question, what are those things that you're picking at all through the day and going a little bit overboard on? The other thing is that women may not notice it, but they're no longer running around after kids. Mm. Um, 
spinning more. You know, that takes a lot of energy. <laughs> Just even holding, the other day we were talking over Zoom and you were holding the baby the whole time. Well, that takes energy. And it's all those little, all that, all that calorie expenditure. Maybe it's only an extra 100 to 200 calories a day. It matters um, with time. You know what? On Sundays when I often don't exercise, I love exercise, by the way, I love exercise and I would do it all the time because I love the endorphins and it's morphed over time. It used to be, you know, when I was had no kids and I would exercise for like an hour a day, primarily just because I loved it. Um, but Sundays I don't often get the chance to exercise, but I will always hit my steps. You know, my rings will always close because I'm running around. I think of the calories I must spend just running around, picking up this, the stuff that my toddlers are just like, I'm done with this plop. Exactly. Exactly. Going up and down the stairs burns calories, you know, uh, so there's the like floor. this, yeah, there's something about where you are in your, in your life, in that stage as well as your age and your energy requirements, your, you know, the, the old thing that I always remember from, you know, like middle school, like calories in calories out, we don't necessarily have to go there because that one's been talked about a lot, but they, they probably change. Yeah. It, 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 your calorie needs definitely change. And of course, as you get older, you're losing muscle gradually and gra- and muscle burns more calories than fat, which is why I was talking about um, the necessity for strength training, resistance training. It doesn't have to be with weights. It can be with your own body weight, but really working those muscles, building them up. And that's also a way to maintain your balance and your strength and your coordination and to be more independent um, throughout your entire life. I mean, my mother worked out for 20 minutes every day. My mother worked. She was one of those rare moms who worked back in the seventies uh-huh. um, and she worked, you know, a six, a 50 hour week. Cause she also had her own business and she rode the exercise bike for 20 minutes every day. My mother was 92 when she died. And, for her. Yeah, I know. And she did her PT. She did everything she was supposed to do up until a few years before she actually passed when she was pretty sick, but wow. I mean, yeah. she really kept it up and that is such a gift that you can give yourself. So don't shortchange your bones because right. you want a little bit less fat around your belly. Um, you've mm-hmm. got to eat enough protein for your bones. You have to eat enough protein for your muscles. Mm-hmm. Give your body what it needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So add in some weight bearing and some muscle building. Uh, so, so important. And I think that it becomes really addicting once you see yourself getting a little bit stronger. Like it kind of, it just really fuels a fire of like, oh, I didn't realize I could, you know, do bicep curls of 15 pounds. Like that's so far from the three pounds I first started. It's really, it's really interesting. Um, I wanted to go back to something you said about, you said it gets in your head. That's a really interesting thought. Cause as you said, I never would have said that as you said it, I see my patients sitting in my office crying they're like, you know, looking at their pants. They're so upset. It means a lot of things. Like I either need to buy new pants or I need to go to the store and spend money or just this loss of feeling of out of control. But what did it mean for you? What do you think it means for a lot of the women that you see in midlife and at menopause? I think it's a loss of control. Um, I think, um, it's also a loss of youth it really hits home that you are getting older. Now, of course, there are plenty of women that have sudden menopause and 
um, you know, premature menopause and are, are probably dealing with this a lot younger. But when you add age on top of the, all the changes that a loss of estrogen produces, um, you're just kind of feeling deflated because like your weight maybe was a thing that you could control or you had no thought. You didn't give it a second thought. There's plenty of women that don't give it a second thought and then bam, right? They're 50, 51, 52. They're like, where did this weight come from? And that, I find those women have the hardest time uh, dealing with, with the weight gain because they don't really have any skills around calorie cutting maybe because they never had to and, mm -hmm. and that's fine. So that's a whole learning process. So the whole feeling of like, this is out of control. My whole, my hormones, you know, my life, my mood, it, my pants, it's out of control. And I, you know, they just don't feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that a lot. The, the, the woman who says I never had to think about this before. And now I have to like, think about it. Um, so that leads to my next question when thinking about it, you know, how do you like to start? We touched on like talking about calories. Mm -hmm. I know that there's different kinds of philosophies. There's calorie counting, there's macro counting, there's intuitive eating, there's mindful eating. There's like all these different things. Um, what kind of way do you find works best or do you think it's individual? You know, I think that's at least something that women can try to take back a little bit of control. But I think if you, like anything, if you obsess, you're going to, you're also going to lose it too. So what do you find works best to start? So the way that we approach it in the book and the way that we approach it when we're speaking to our patients is um, whatever works for them. So, you know, we gave people like three different ways to look at this in the book. And one, as I mentioned before, was the diet plans. Well, that to me is one of the most extreme ways, but it's also an educational way because when you plot it out, you get an idea of what portion sizes should, and I, I'm putting that in air quotes, should be. I mean, it just gives you a guideline. You could take a look at your plate and say, okay, at every meal, I'm gonna fill half of my plate with fruits and vegetables, one quarter with grain, you know, preferably a whole grain, and the other quarter with protein, high protein foods. And you could look at it that way. Or you could say, you know what, I'm really knowledgeable about this and I just need to make a few tweaks. I will say though, that what we have noticed is that it's really all about eating patterns. And we wanna get women into, um, an eating pattern in two different ways. One, what they eat, you know, throughout the day. And the other is the type of foods that they're eating. So we're big fans of a plant-based, but not necessarily animal food free diet. We, that's not what we're talking about. You don't have to be a vegan or a vegetarian or in order to get results, not at all. But also we would like, and we think this works the best for women to take a look at how they're eating throughout the day. And it's usually, and I'm sure if you've done a diet recall with your patients, you know that it's an inverted, um, you know, not an inverted pyramid, but it, you know, it starts out real small mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, the consumption. And then as the day wears on, the meals get bigger and bigger and dinner is the really big one. And then there's eating after night, after dinner. Yeah, so you're right. We're, yeah, we're real fans of tackling that after dinner eating. If you were only to, to do one thing, 
take a look at that, start swinging your calories back up through the day and see what happens. And even that one little change usually brings big results. Really? Yes. Why is that? Couple of reasons. Um, One is because if you wait until the end of the day, uh, you're really hungry. And, you know, hunger is a basic you know, need. need, right? Yeah. It's a need. You need to eat food in order for your body to uh, work. So if you wait, you're going to be like an animal, you know, I mean, we are animals, but you know, we're like, oh, our brains were always so smart. No, I mean, hunger. Eating over- all the cheese while you're cooking yeah. and then yeah. you eat dinner. Yep. Starving. You are starving. I mean, you know, what would your dog do if you, if you <laughs> underfed them all day, right? What would they, given the chance to get at food, they, we are the same way. We cannot underestimate that about ourselves. So what we do is we go overboard on dinner and then we feel justified. Like, well, I didn't eat much during the day so I can have, you know, I can sit down in front of the TV with this yep. bag of chips or you know, pint of Ben and Jerry. I didn't eat anything all day. Oh, all I right. ate was, you know, my Nutrigrain bar and I'm starving. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I say that. I, yeah. I mean, I used to too, until I really, um, again, took a hard look at what I was doing. And so what we, you know, the goal is to really not eat it all at the, after dinner. That's a, that's, that would be the ultimate goal. And women, when they hear us say, they're like, oh, Oh my God, how can I do that? Well, not every night. Like you don't have to do it all the time, but you're eating too many calories. The other thing is that your body is much better at processing carbohydrates earlier in the day. So your mm. body has a circadian rhythm, no, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. So so you know that. And 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 so if you eat more in the earlier part of the day, and then you you kind of have less at dinner and really nothing after dinner you probably, you're, you're working more with your body and you're not promoting fat deposition. Mm -hmm. Um, because if you have extra glucose, it goes into your fat cells and around menopause, it goes into the fat cells that are in your abdomen. Not all, not not all of it, but I mean, that's why you get the, the meno belly. It just makes it worse. It just (laughs) makes it worse. So you've got, you've got kind of two things going on there. Um, with nighttime eating, you're fighting your, your circadian rhythm and you're probably overdoing it. Because who's eating carrots and celery sticks on the couch watching Netflix? Nobody. Oh, buddy. No. Netflix no. and chill is an actual ice cream flavor. Yes. It, <laughs> the other thing that I think I, I see a lot and it is not to pass judgment is that maybe it's because the kids are gone or we're, whatever, but there's more wine drinking, right? There's more alcohol. And what are the you know, and a lot of women will say, I don't want to give up my nightly glass of wine with my dinner or this or that. And certainly I'm leaving out just the, the other, you know, health considerations for alcohol, thinking more about just in terms of weight and calories. If we're just kind of narrowing it to that, is that something that's pretty common that, you know, alcohol consumption increases with Lachit's birthday? And I, you know, I, I, whether the kids are home or not, I mean, it <laughs> seems to be yes. on the rise. And there are, there is data that says that alcohol intake overall in women is on the rise. And certainly the pandemic has done nobody any favors. Any favors. Right. So um, I think the issue here is, you know, we tell women no more than one drink a day, right? For health benefits and also for calories. 
And, and they're like, yeah, okay, that's, that's all I have. But when you really get down to brass tacks, not too many people, men and women, know what a drink is. So a standard drink is five ounces of wine. Measure that out, take a look at your favorite wine glass and draw a line and stick to it. That is one drink. So mm -hmm. anything over that is going to be extra calories and it is going to contribute to mm -hmm. your intake. The other thing is it's dis inhibitory nature you know mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. whatever right after yeah. one drink or two drinks she's like yeah whatever i'll eat that bag of chips yeah it's okay we can just have a bowl of popcorn for dinner you know and you uh -huh. just you just like lose it so um so that that can happen too mm -hmm. yeah i i i see that a lot and i wonder about that um my other question for you is, you know, gosh, you've really got me thinking about my poor eating habits in my, you know, late thirties, I'm almost 40. So, um, you know, if you could go back in time or, or so this is going to sound like, I think this question is more for me than it is for you, but you know, is it better to start setting up these healthy eating habits now? Because I think then when we get to this point, and everything changes. And now all of a sudden we need to pay attention to when we eat, what time we eat, what our portions are, you know, that probably all matters. And I think about myself running after kids and I'm constantly like picking up their goldfish bag, downing the rest on the way to the garbage. I mean, all those bad habits over time probably don't help. No, they don't. And they're harder to break. I mean, the older that you get, they're harder to break. So, you know, start, start anytime. I mean, if you, 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 you could start today um, and it's never too late. That's really the message that I like to give people too, is that it's never too late to make changes for the better. But I, I hear you. I mean, I did the same when I was a, a young mother and running around and eating things that I shouldn't have off of their plates and whatnot. And, um, but I think part of that comes from not nourishing ourselves. Um, I think you can mm -hmm. still do that even when kids aren't in the house. So we're not yeah. eating enough to satisfy ourselves at meals because now I look at food like that and I say, I could really care less about eating whatever I might've eaten 10 or 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, because you have to get enough protein at every single meal, enough mm -hmm. fiber. You know, if you are satisfied, you're not going to be reaching for those things. Does it keep me from getting, from eating chocolate every day? Absolutely not. I have not <laughs> that nut yet. No, and no, there's no <laughs> need to have. <laughs> Why waste time on things that you can't really change, but has it really drastically cut down on all the picking on the refined carbohydrates, like you're mentioning goldfish and whatever? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that when women feel satisfied, when they allow themselves to eat and not starve themselves and really nourish their bodies, they're going to be a much better place to resist, you know, the temptation. They just, they, they'll be full. They won't want those foods. Yeah. Um, what's a typical day like for you? What's a typical day that you might eat? Uh, I, I bet people might want to know this. Okay. So, um, uh, every day. I'm such a creature of habit for mm -hmm. uh, breakfast. Well, I work out in the morning and then um, for breakfast, I have a big bowl of cereal. It's a mixture of uh, whole grain checks and Cheerios. What a nerd. Mm. <laughs> and a but banana. that's what you like. I, I do love I, it. Before we I, even go on, I think that it's important to, to, I think what a lot of people do is they assume, um, 
well, I guess I can't do my creamer anymore, my coffee, because that's sugar, right? But but that's not very nourishing and is right. And, you know, if you like checks, you know, I think there's this idea that if it comes from whole foods and it's somehow organic, you know, it, it, that's, 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 what's going to help, but that's probably not the case. No, it's not. I mean, it, sure. It will have possibly fewer pesticides and anything <laughs> like that, but that won't do anything for your weight. I mean, that has nothing to do with it. It's really all about um, portion sizes and, and it's so important, and we harp on this so much, to get 20 grams of protein or more in at breakfast. Each meal? Yeah. Oh, at breakfast. Each okay. meal, but breakfast is the hardest unless you're yeah. eating eggs. And even then, it would be like two eggs and some cheese or two eggs and a glass of milk. I mean, it's not easy. So yeah. what I do is I drink a giant glass, I mean, giant cup. I mean, literally, my coffee cup is this big, okay? And <laughs> it's got a full cup of milk in it. And you, like you were saying, I drink 2% milk in my coffee. I drink an entire glass of 2% milk and then I have milk in my cereal and then yep. all the other protein that's in the cereal. And there is protein, some protein in the cereal, and a little bit in the banana. I yeah. manage 20 grams, but just barely. I mean, that's a, it's a tough meal to get your protein in. So you, so you really have to get uh, into a routine. So you know that you're getting enough protein um, at breakfast. So that's what I have for breakfast every single day mm -hmm. and lunch varies. Um, today I had a piece of leftover vegetable pizza, which had cheese on it, not just mm -hmm. vegetables. And I had salad uh, leftover from last night, but I put cottage cheese in it because mm -hmm. protein, yeah, because yeah. that piece of pizza does not have enough protein in it. Mm -hmm. And co cottage cheese is my go-to. It always fills in all the I gaps. Love cottage cheese. Mm -hmm. You either love it or you don't, but I have a tip for that. And I think people don't like the texture. So oh, you I can put it. it in the blender. Um, oh. and you, yeah. Yep. Yep. And you can use it that way. And it's much more acceptable to people when it's like that. Yeah. I love the texture. Yeah. I mean, I like I'm probably one of the people who loves cottage cheese, right? <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a few of us. <laughs> <laughs> I always love cottage cheese. I used to eat it with ketchup. I know that's disgusting, but if I could I keep this podcast memorable. Um, and then, and then what, what's after lunch? You know, I'll tell you, I eat so much protein at lunch and I make sure I have whole grains. Not today. I had pizza. It was like in a couple of, in a, in a piece of fruit that I am rarely hungry until dinner. Um, and if I'm hungry, I have probably like an ounce of peanuts or walnuts or almonds. Um, and the dog has a, a lot too. She always munches with me. She loves them. Or um, I, you know, I go through phases. And one of my phases was frozen cherries that I would get out of the, the freezer, microwave them, and then uh, combine them with about three quarters of a cup of plain nonfat Greek yogurt. And they mm. are, the cherries are sweet enough on their own. And it, it's so, it's got, you know, protein and it's got fiber and it's got all the wonderful things and it really, really is satisfying. And yeah. then dinner is usually like probably five or six ounces of chicken or fish um, and vegetables and a whole grain. Mm -hmm. And then I always have chocolate every night. I just 
cannot break that habit. And like you said, why bother? So, um, (laughs) you know, I have about an ounce on a good night, maybe a little bit more on, you know, a night when I'm (laughs) a little bit more liberal of dark chocolate, but not the 90%, you know, unpalatable, uh, you know, not sweet chocolate. It's probably 70% or 65%. I like the sugar. Yeah. That's really it. And, um, I've, you know, I hope that, I mean, what, what I eat in a day is not what anybody else should eat in a day for sure. But, um, I hope that the, the, the protein message and the fiber Mm -hmm. and the inverted triangle, those are all super important. I always tell my patients, um, maybe you can correct me, but I'll say, you know, um, I don't have a lot of time to do dietary recommendations in the office, nor is that actually my specialty, but I'll say, you know, try to eat hundred grams of protein. If you do nothing else, just try to eat hundred grams of protein. Yes. That's what I tell people to do <laughs> because I figure in doing so you're getting so much calories from your protein that you're just not hungry for what we then usually end up reaching for is just extra carbs because we're just hungry. And I love the inverted triangle of eating more, you know, earlier and then less in the evening. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, to debunk this idea that clean eating or sugar-free eating is, um, the only way to lose weight. Now I will have some patients who tell me, oh, when I cut out sugar, I feel better or et cetera, et cetera. But is that something that people really necessarily need to do? Like completely cut out sugar for just weight loss purposes only? Depends on how much sugar you eat. So if you're eating so much sugar that you've got all these extra calories, you know, mm-hmm. um, coming in that are unnecessary, then cutting out sugar is good for you. I have a thing for sugar. I just told you that when I was talking about the chocolate, but I didn't tell you that I put sugar in my coffee and my tea and it is not a little bit of sugar, but that's the only sugar that I eat. Everything is relative. Mm-hmm. So to have an absolute like that, like you're talking about when people ask you, if I cut out all sugar, I will lose weight. If I cut out all of this, I will lose. No, nutrition is relative. You were talking about having creamer in your coffee before. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. creamer in your coffee? Go mm-hmm. ahead. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you, but of course we all can't have everything that we want all the all time. All the time. Yeah. So I tell my five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all just five-year-olds, really, basically. <laughs> so we're just grown-up five-year-olds that want what we want all the time. And I mean, I'm the same way, but you have to have trade-offs. And so, um, no, you. They, I think the short answer is no, you do not necessarily have to eliminate all the sugar. But if you're eating, you know, a bag of jelly beans, a huge bag of jelly beans and, you know, cookies and candy and things like that, of course, you're going to feel better when you cut that out because there's nothing else in there for your body except sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't need that sugar. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about intermittent fasting? So um, I've actually written, done a lot of research and written a couple of uh, pieces about intermittent fasting. I'm a fan of one type of fasting and it goes back to what we were saying before, if you can even call it fasting, it's more like time restricted eating. Mm -hmm. And that's really giving yourself a good 12 hours um, Mm -hmm. every day to just let that gut rest, let that metabolism rest Mm -hmm. and let your blood sugar levels, blood glucose levels come back down to normal and stop Mm -hmm. feeding yourself. Mm-hmm. That goes back to what I was saying about not eating at night. Now mm-hmm. that 12 hour period, let's say you don't get home from work. You don't have dinner until seven o'clock or whatever. 
great. I mean, no one says you have to stop eating by you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, that's just crazy. Um, for, well, it would be for me. And it's, it's disruptive to a, to family life and for couples and things like that. But give yourself the 12 hours, you know, go mm-hmm. from 7, 7.30 to next day, 7.30, if you can do that. And, it, 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 and you can do that when you stop eating at night so much because you wake up hungry in the morning and you're ready for breakfast and you're ready for lunch and you're ready for a healthy snack. Um, so the other types of fasting, no, not a big fan of. There's absolutely no research that says that it, that um, that is any more effective for uh, long-term weight control. And I know it could be a jump start for some people and it gets them going, that's fine. But I think that we have to um, you know, really take a look at the research and say, if you wanna just do mild calorie restriction, great, that is going to work for you Mm -hmm. just as well as intermittent fasting. And the other thing that really bothers me about intermittent fasting is I don't know how people who skip entire days of food get enough nutrients. How do you do that? How do you cram all those things in that you need? Is it even possible? Yeah. I think most people are probably just looking at purely the number on the scale or, you know, if their clothes can get on them and they don't have the muffin top. And I think that that drives so much of behavior. And, you know, the reality of the situation is that this is really about health at the same time it is feeling good. And so combining the two, I think it's really important in the idea that you've said, I lost the five pounds and now I'm really consistent and I'm exercising every day. You know, overall, you're probably so healthy, even though you may not be able to lose that last stubborn five pounds. I think there is this reality. And then also thinking about your health. So weight on the scale is just one measure, blood pressure, A1C, cholesterol levels, bone density, so many other important markers of health. Um, Mm -hmm. This culture that we live in definitely values whatever cultural standard of beauty we're going by uh, and in whatever year it is. But I think the message of, you know, how these people getting nutrients is they're probably not thinking about it. And it's time that we maybe shift that idea. I I agree with you. (laughs) And I'm like, where are all the studies about, you know, about the nutritional drawbacks of all of this? The other thing is that, you know, during that, that time that you're eating, you really should be eating nutritional foods. And I have heard of many women who will do the five days, uh, you know, five days of eating and the two days off and the two days off, you know, because of the two days they take off during the week from eating, they just eat whatever they want the rest of the time. And oh my it's still, gosh. yeah, the calorie balance still comes out right for them, but what are they eating? You know, it has to be good for your bones, your brain, your heart, every other part of your body at this point. I think the big message besides for the protein, the inverted triangle. I love those. And, you know, mixing reality and defining what good health is, is that consistency is really important. Consistency can be really, really helpful and setting up good, healthy patterns, um, which is easier said than done, um, can be really helpful so that you don't end up in the situation where all of a sudden you, you know, you don't know who you are anymore and you've no idea how to get back there. Um, but does that happen? Yes. And are there way back? Yes. So, um, well, Liz, it was so great to just pick your brain and hear about your journey. Um, I loved getting to know you. And for those of you who've listened to this far in the show, fun fact is that we're getting to work together 
um, as we, um, as I'm writing my book with my co-writer, Stacy Colino, and I'm so excited. So I get to work with Liz a lot and, uh, more on that to come. You can find Liz, um, and her partner on, um, Instagram where they chat all about, um, menopause, um, and midlife and diets. And that's at menopause diet plan. I will link their Instagram handle and the book, the menopause diet plan, which you should definitely check out. Um, and thanks Liz so much. Thank you. It's been a blast. Yes. Well, I will talk to you soon and thank you guys uh, for listening in and see you next week for a brand new episode. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Good.